Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Perkevos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. For this week, we continue with Chapter 2, Mishnah 17, Parak Bays, Mishnah Yudzayin. And as always, before we begin, if you have any questions, comments, you'd like to say hello, you'd like to introduce yourself, please don't hesitate to reach out to send me an email at rabbishlomokonkohn at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Additionally, if you like this podcast, you enjoy it, please feel free to check out my other podcast on the Parsha of the Week. You can search for it by looking for the Practical Parsha podcast, or you can look for the link in the show notes below. The mission of this week begins, Yossi says, that your friend's money should be dear to you as your own money. And apply yourself to the study of Torah. Because it's, it's not yours. And lastly, the Mishnah ends. And it's all your deeds should be for the sake of heaven. So again, you have point number one, or Biosi saying, your friend's money should be treated like your own money. Be careful with it. You check, you know, you don't just throw away your money. You're careful with it. You make sure to only use it when you need it. So too, treat your friend's finances the same way. Number two is apply yourself to learning Torah and don't assume that it's just yours because it's an, an you know yours for inheritance. It's not an inheritance. You have to work to acquire it. Number three, all your actions, all your deeds. And we're going to explain what that means exactly. It doesn't just mean spiritual things, but rather everything we do should be for the sake of heaven. So the first point I want to talk about today is this idea of Treat your friend's money as your own money. Now, if I would ask you, how do you become righteous? How do you become pious? And when you think of piety, what does that conjure up in your mind? So some of you might be thinking that piety is someone who lives in Brooklyn, has a long beard, has sidelocks, has payas. You know, that's not necessarily piety. Could be that there are people that are Hasidic and religious that are pious. It's not, it's not a contradiction. But true piety is when we, is for any person, uh, any person could acquire, any person could, could reach. And there's different ways that the, the Talmud, that the, the works of Musr tell us how we reach this level of piety where we're not just doing things the minimum, we're not just doing the our, 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 our lowest responsibility, rather we're doing more than what's uh, what's called upon us. We go we go the extra mile. We do more than what's you know required of us. And the the Talmud tells us that one of the ways to acquire this trait of piety, to be pious, to to be above the letter of the law is if a person is careful 
in mili dinizakin, in matters of damages. And what that means is, is that if a person is careful with the other person's property, what, when it says mili dinizakin, with damages, that means if I cause harm to you, more specifically financial harm, so then I'm careful to make sure to pay you back. I don't just, uh, it's okay, it's, you know, the person doesn't mind. I don't say that to myself. Rather, if I cause someone a loss, a damage, I'm careful about it. No matter how much money it is, pay you back. And that's what it means here to be careful with your friend's money, to treat um, your friend's resources as if it's your own resources. And this is not just a concept when it comes to money, but really a, a general concept um, in life, Judaism, with our connection to Hashem. You know, the famous story that there was a convert or someone who wished to convert came to Shammai, the great Shammai, and he said, please teach me the Torah on one foot. And Shammai was a little bit more, you know, he had a way, different way of dealing with the students and he felt it was disrespectful that this potential convert was coming to ask in this way and he threw him out. And the same individual came back to Hillel who was known for his extreme patience and said, teach me the Torah on one foot. And what Hillel told him, he said that what you don't want done to yourself, don't do to your friend. That's the entire Torah. The rest of it is commentary. And with that attitude, he was able to bring him under the wings of the Shekhinah, to bring him under the, the wings of the divine presence. And the, the idea here is, is that when it comes to other people's belongings, when it comes to how we treat other people, we want to treat their belongings the same way as we would want to be treated ourselves. To look at it as if it's our own and when we live in this way, it leads us to a to living on a higher level and perhaps even to a level of piety as well. And just another point where this idea of this mission could really apply to all of us is that if we work for an individual, work for someone else, you know, not all of us are our own bosses. Many of us are workers. We get paid by the hour, we get paid by a salary. We have to treat the time that we work for our employer, you know, the same way that we want our employees. Obviously, we, we want to maximize our time. That's also falls under the category of being careful with our friend's money because our boss is paying us to work, to not slack off and to, to do other things. Obviously, you know, every job has its realms of responsibility and its limits. But the point is we shouldn't take advantage or to not, you know, just play hooky because we can, that's not the right thing to do. Um, we have to look at the times that we're working, we're working for someone else, it's someone else's money, someone else is paying us, and we should try to be as most productive as possible that the same way we would want someone who's working for us to who's, who, who we're, we would be paying to, to act, that's how we should act as well. The second idea of the Mishnah is that prepare yourself to study Torah, um, because it's not inheritance for yourself. And what this means is that even if a person comes from a very prestigious background, right? Their father 
is a rabbi, the grandfather's a rabbi, the great grandfather's, they come from a line of scholars and rabbis and righteous people. You can't assume that just because of someone's, you know, DNA, that they were born to a certain family. So therefore, you know, I'm good already. I'm taken care of. I don't need to do anything to work on myself. Rather, the, the emphasis is on the person themselves, that each and every one of us have a responsibility and we have the choice to make if how we want our futures to be and how we want our understanding of Torah to be and how we want our connection to Hashem to be. And just because someone's born into a certain family is not determining if they're going to have success in Torah, have success in mitzvot, have success in life, right? And this is actually something very powerful. You know, they say, you know, there, there is a concept of yichus, of, of lineage in Judaism, that, you know, people, you know, have lineage from great righteous people. And there is such a concept that if someone, you know, we say that that if somebody, the, the three, um, I guess the, the, the knot that's tied three times will not rip. And the commentaries explain to us that that means is that, that if there's three generations of Torah scholars, it's, you know, you, you could be more secure, more confident that the Torah will continue in the line of that family once there's already a line of, of Torah scholars. So there is a concept of people establishing in their family, you know, the idea of primacy of Torah, mitzvos, of having a background uh, of great and righteous people that could affect forward. But it doesn't mean the, the way that it works is not how you think it works. That it's just like, oh, you're born and now you're born to this family of righteous people, so you become righteous. It doesn't work like that. So the way that it was explained to me is that it's sort of like a decimal point. You know, we all have, uh, we all wish, I guess, we could have millions of dollars in our, in our bank account, right? So if, if the bank would just move over the decimals, you know, maybe one or two spots, we probably would be millionaires, billionaires, right? And, but if the decimal is in the wrong spot, we don't have anything, right? So it's all depending if you have, where is the decimal? If you move it one over, you're going to have a million dollars. If you move it over this way, you're going to have one cent, right? So that's really the, the, the parable, I guess, the way for us, the analogy, for us to understand this idea of, of, of lineage, that it's really up to us where we're going to put that decimal point. Fine, we might have uh, a, a prestigious line that we come from, but if we don't place that decimal point where it's supposed to be, so then we're just a bunch of zeros. But if we put it where it's supposed to be, so then we have the zeros to, to help us to make our value exponentially more. And that's the way it's understood that if you have a bunch of zeros and a one, it's all where the decimal point is. And really, you know, every Jewish person comes, you know, we say in the Gemara that uh, the Jewish nation is our B'nai Malachim, our sons of kings. And that each, each Jew comes from Avraham, from Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and even someone who converts to Judaism is considered that Avraham Avinu is like his father, we say that when we call a convert to the Torah, we say, we, we call him, you know, wherever the name is, Ben Avraham. 
that Avram is the father of all converts. And the, the idea here is, and actually on, on a practical level, probably most Jewish people that are around today are probably, just statistically it has to be, grandchildren of King David. Just be how, how you know, if you look at Tanakh, look at the, the story of the Jewish people, in the times of the based on English and the of the temple till after the destruction, it has to be that Jewish people that are around today are, are probably statistically all or all grandchildren of King David. And the idea is, is that, you know, even if you might think that I don't, I don't have such special lineage, you do, you do have special each, you know, the uh, Shlomo Karlbach, great singer, a, a Jewish singer, used to say that, you know, after the, the Holocaust, every Jew is a, is a big rebel. And the idea, what he was trying to say is that, you know, there's so little Jewish people in the world and, you know, each, each person, each, you know, each individual is, has a tremendous, tremendous worth. And the, the idea that the mission is giving over to us is that we shouldn't think that, you know, it's two ways. We shouldn't think that just because we were born with this prestigious line and, you know, we're smart and we're talented and we're, you know, all these good, good things, good character traits that we have. So therefore that equals success in Judaism, success in my learning, success in my mitzvahs. Because there are plenty of people who were smart, who were talented, who had came from prestigious families and, you know, nothing major came of them. And at the same time, there were individuals who are not so smart, who are not so talented, and didn't come from any prestigious family, maybe had a harder background, but yet they pushed and they pushed and they pushed and they applied themselves and they got to places that, that are unimaginable. That needs to be our outlook as well when it comes to our Yiddishkeit, our Judaism. And we shouldn't think it's predestined to us that how we're going to end up. You know, a lot of there's a lot of studies that have been done that children born in certain zip codes versus other zip codes have a better chance of success in the world. And, you know, these there could be something to the different studies that are done. You know, people born in a very poor zip code, could be they have a harder shot than someone who's born in an affluent suburb. But when it comes to spirituality and to how much we're going to grow, the zip code that we're born in or the family we're born in doesn't guarantee how the outcome of how we're going to look at the end of the day. I'm not saying people don't have challenges. I'm not saying, you know, someone... People could have different types of challenges, but the point is, is that it has to do with how much we apply ourselves to the mission, to the goal, to the objectives that we have in front of us. We really push and we really apply ourselves because we know also that ultimately success is in the hands of Hashem. It's not something that we can, you know, determine. We just have to do our part. So if we really do our part, we try, we dive in. We, we don't give up. We keep moving in the right direction. So then we're going to have success, God willing. Hashem's going to grant us success. And also, when someone applies themselves to such a level, so then 
the growth that they have, whatever they achieve, their achievements could be worth more than even the quote unquote big accomplishments of the person from the prestigious family because he didn't have to work so hard from it. Because And, and this idea is called the Fumtsara Agra. As much as the um, effort is the reward, that no matter, it really doesn't depend results. It depends how much we put in, how much effort we make. And that's how Hashem rewards us. And the last part of the Mishnah is And all of your actions should be for the sake of heaven. Now, as I've mentioned other times, Judaism is unique in this regard that everything we do could be a mitzvah. It's not just spiritual and physical, but rather the unique, one of the most unique aspects of Judaism is that we're able to fuse the two together. We say that if you do something, if you harness the physical for the spirituality, so it becomes as if the physical is a mitzvah. So it comes out from this, that the physical acts that we do, even the mundane acts that we do, or if we have the right intentions, so then we could turn it into a spiritual act. That's something unique about Judaism. And it's not just, um, you know, when we eat something, why do we eat? When we shower, why do we shower? When we take a vacation, why do we do these things? So you might tell me, oh, this is only for the really righteous and holy people that they should, you know, when they eat something, they eat it for the right reasons to serve Hashem. But I'm telling you, it's not for just them. I'm telling you that even each and every one of you are able to tap into this to think about what you're doing. And this is actually one of the reasons why the Chachamim, why the sages instituted brachos, blessings over our food. And over many of the things that we do, we make blessings beforehand so that we should think for a moment, what are we about to do? Why are we about to eat? To make it into a more spiritual act. That's one of the reasons that we make blessings but additionally, if we think about these things and, and tell ourselves what we're about to do, and even if we don't necessarily mean it, I'm taking a vacation so that I should be able to be rejuvenated. So then it becomes into a spiritual thing. Slowly but surely, it has an effect on us to change us into different people. And that's something we, we need to think about and to remember that we could also live very highly spiritual lives. It's not, for, it's not reserved for the sages and the tzaddikim, the righteous people of the generation we're also able to make ourselves spiritual beings and to turn all the small acts uh, that we do on a daily basis into spirituality. It makes us more kadosh, it makes us more holy, it makes us more sanctified because it's giving all these physical acts a purpose. We're not just doing it to satiate ourselves. There's a purpose to everything that we do now. It's not just doing it for nothing. It's all towards a goal. What is our goal, right? We know the goal is to get closer to Hashem, to acquire mitzvahs, to, to, to grow, to have a place in the world to come. These are all goals for ourselves. So it, you know, they, they say, I'm sure there's many studies that have been done, that when people have a goal, they accomplish much more. They're able to, you know, all the benefits that, are, um, that come from having a goal going in a certain direction, giving your life meaning. And that's um, everything we do, we should do it for the sake of heaven. And really, you know, even when we take upon it, endeavors upon himself to do, we should try to think that we're doing it for the right reasons and not for our own selfish purposes. Because 
when we do have the right reasons in mind, or we try to have them, you know, the right reasons in mind, there's a greater chance that we'll see success in the endeavors that we take upon ourselves. So, just to give a quick recap of the Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi tells us to care about others' belongings like we care to ourselves. And we learn from this that it's not just um, people's money, but it's also the way we treat others. We want to be treated the same way, and it's just one of the aspects. And additionally, it's it's one of the ways that, that we get to a level of piety. It's not just by studying Torah, and, and that's also a way of getting a higher, close connection to Hashem. But additionally, when we act, um, we go above the letter of the law, and especially in regards to other people's belongings. Um, and that's actually why the, one of the first tractates that are learned, one of the first chapters that are learned in the yeshiva for children when they learn Gemara, when they study Talmud, has to do with damages. Hakone Sonladir, it talks about damages. If I, how much I need, a, what's my responsibility for watching someone else's uh, you know, animal? This is when we're careful with others' belongings, so it's this sort of, it breeds in us a certain level of piety and carefulness that can help us, elevate us, that we do all our area, all our service of Hashem on a higher level, not just the minimum. Additionally, we said, um, that when it comes to Torah study, we shouldn't take it given for granted. There's been plenty of people who have been smart and born to the right families, but yet not necessarily have succeeded, but yet there have been plenty of people from, you know, not so smart, not so talented, but yet have uh, gone to great heights. And actually the Gemara tells us, it says, um, regard to the poor, the children of poor people, it says, his haru b'nei he, I think, because because from them, be careful with the with the sons of poor people, because from them comes out the Torah. And the commentaries tell us that, you know, the many of the great Torah leaders of the, of the generations that come from um, people with humble beginnings, maybe people even poor beginners they had to push through. They had that, the fact that they had to push through even was hard, um, sort of developed them into the great people that they became. And lastly, that all our actions should be for the sake of heaven. No matter what we do, everything we do, we should try to have in mind that we're doing it for Hashem. It gives things purpose, gives things meaning. And when we give things meaning, we're able to live, again, we're live to live with a higher level. It's not just for the people, for the tzaddikim, to make all their actions, the shame shemayim for the sake of heaven, but rather we can also tap into that to make ourselves more spiritual beings, to make ourselves holier, and to live on a higher level. So with that, I'm going to finish with today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlamakon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.